0: Clifton Keith Hillegas, He was born in Rising City, Nebraska, in April of 1918. And uh, I wouldn't have known this guy if I walked past him in the street. But maybe you've heard of Cliff's Notes before. Anybody use Cliff's Notes? Okay, we had nobody in first service, and we got a few here. These are uh, something that he published. Uh, he had it up this publishing company. And these books, they give like a really helpful summary of plays and, and books for students. Now, hopefully you use them in the right way. You know, you didn't not read the book and just read the close notes, um, as I think many people did, actually. I don't think he intended that. But here's the thing. I, I think it can be super helpful when people give us uh, something in a nutshell, right? Uh, maybe they've gone to see a movie, and you don't want to sit through like three hours of Avatar too, And so they just give it to you in a nutshell, and you're like, great, you know. We're going to look at a passage this morning where Jesus does just that. And it's not that he's saying that we don't need to engage with Old Testament and, and New Testament, but he summarizes everything under two commandments. And we're going to look at those this morning. We're going to read in Matthew 22, verse 34, starting there. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And this is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So Jesus, rather helpfully, summarizes everything, down into two commandments. One has to do with our relationship with God. The other has to do with our relationship with others. And in the short time that we have this morning, I'd like for us to focus on the second commandment, to love your neighbor. I I feel like it's perhaps one of the most famous commandments of Jesus, but often the most overlooked or least practiced or maybe just simply the hardest (laughs) to actually follow. But here's the thing. Before we get to what it means to love our neighbor. Before we get to what it means to be a good neighbor, we have to start where Jesus starts. See, he starts with the first commandment. He says, The first commandment is the first and the greatest. And it's this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, and your mind. This past fall, my eldest son... Joel, uh, he's in fifth grade, and he had the opportunity to play through various musical instruments uh, to see if he wanted to pick one up for uh, music in, in, in fifth grade. And so uh, here he is with a trombone. This was the first day that he brought home his trombone. And there were some things that they taught him, like right off the bat, how to assemble the trombone, um, how to look after it, how to start reading music. And it's been really cool to see him in the months that have followed, um, just how he's really excelled in this instrument. As my mom would say, uh, it, the music's in the genes. And so it's been really cool to see that, and he's really enjoying it. But here's the thing. Everything that has come in the last number of months, it wouldn't have been possible if he hadn't have had those introductory, those foundational pieces in the beginning. And this is what Jesus is doing here in, in this text. These, these commandments, they're intentional, but the order of them is also intentional because this is essentially what Jesus is doing here. He's laying the foundation or the springboard for loving our neighbor. It's from Jesus' first command that we can go about living out the second. I don't know if you're about me, but sometimes when you, you hear teaching, from the bible or you hear Jesus teaching and commanding something you're like yes Jesus that's yep I, I need to do that and so we feel like our goal is to go out from here and essentially just try and be that I mean that somehow being a Christ follower is just about trying to be a good person and be like Jesus but Jesus dismantles that way of thinking here he's saying no first Love the Lord your God with everything that you have. Because here's what happens when we love God in that way. Our hearts are changed more and more into the likeness of Jesus. We grow in humility. We begin to see people in the way that God sees them, made in his image, deeply loved by him. Our hearts begin to soften towards those that we consider to be our polar opposites people that we wouldn't have given the time of day to, that we would have done everything to avoid, that we would have looked on in them. Suddenly, our hearts begin to soften towards them. It doesn't mean that we agree with everything, that our convictions have somehow changed, but we begin to see them through the lens that God sees them, that he loves them. And uh, reading in 1 John four nineteen, we read this. Um, we love... Because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. Whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen, cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he's given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. So here's what we learn here. That... Genuine love for others is a good indication that we've experienced the genuine love of God in our lives. That's our beginning place, you see. It's easy to run to this, to, to straight to the commandment of loving your neighbor, and yet Jesus starts with, love the Lord your God with everything you have. Receive his love. You see, when we truly experience the unconditional love of God in our lives, when we believe that we've been forgiven for a lifetime of failures, when you know that you have been adopted as a son and daughter into the family of God, That's, that love that we receive, it starts to spill out onto others around us. Because in many ways, we realize we're all in the same boat. Receiving God's mercy and His grace. So it's the love of God that that motivates and propels us out into loving others. It's the first command that drives the second, which is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So yes, perhaps one of the most famous of Jesus' commandments, but Uh, Let's face it, it's one of the hardest to live out. In Luke 22, um, actually Luke 10, sorry, Jesus has a similar interaction with another expert in the law. And the expert in the law, he's kind kind of trying to be smart with Jesus. Do you notice that? Like with the religious teachers, they're always trying to be smart (laughs) and try and catch Jesus out. But he's like, obviously, he's really smart because he's God. And so he responds brilliantly. Uh, Let's listen into this because the the expert in the law comes. He says, who's my neighbor, Jesus, saying I should love my neighbor, but who is my neighbor? And this is what Jesus says. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers and they stripped him of his clothes. They beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So, to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he put the man in his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return... I will reimburse you for any extra expense you have. So then Jesus says, Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And I imagine that all of us would respond in the same way that the expert in the law did, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus says, Go and do likewise. The question that the expert in the law asks here isn't his real question, actually. I was reading this text just last night, and it says a little before it that he was trying to find a loophole with Jesus. Because essentially what he wanted to know was, uh, Jesus, where can I draw the line, essentially, as to who my neighbor is? You know, surely it can't be everybody, so... So where, where can I draw that line? Who's in? Who's out? And uh, N.T. Wright is a New Testament scholar. I think he helps us here. He says, the lawyer's question and Jesus' answer don't quite match up. And that's part of the point. He wants to know who counts his neighbor. For him, God is the God of Israel and neighbors are Jewish neighbors. For Jesus, Israel's God is the God of grace for the whole world. And a neighbor is anybody in need. Do you know what would have been one of the most striking things about this story when people first heard it? It's the fact that it wasn't the Levite and it wasn't the priest that stopped. It was the Samaritan. Because Jews and Samaritan, they detested each other. They they hated each other. And uh, it actually kind of made me think about my, my childhood. I was brought up in a family whereby my mom, and da- my mom and dad taught me to see people made in the image of God, deeply loved by him. But then I would go to school, and I would go to certain social circles, and I would start to become aware of this uh, distinction between me as a Protestant and others as Catholics. And I only had to go into Belfast to see that this wasn't just something that was a psychological distinction or a heart distinction, but it was also a geographic distinction. So deeply was this entrenched in our culture as a a country. And I've never read this story this way before about Jews and Samaritans, Catholics and Protestants. And yet this is the main point of the story. Jesus sees the expert in the law, and he sees that he's wanting to know, Jesus, who's in and who's out. Because as far as I'm concerned, my neighbor is a Jew, somebody who agrees with me politically, somebody who agrees with me theologically. That's my neighbor, and that's who you're calling me to love, right? And Jesus brilliantly then says, Okay, who are the two people who are like the most polar opposite apart? Jews and Samaritans. So you see what he's doing here. No, I... I, Jesus is calling us to love people, to not hold prejudice against people. But I want us us to think about this. That love for someone doesn't mean we suddenly approve of everything that that person stands for. Love for someone. It doesn't mean that we suddenly approve of everything that that person stands for. God doesn't love us in that way. That's not how he's calling us to love others. Sometimes I feel like there's a fear in us as Christians that if we love somebody who is polar opposite to us, it's going to be somehow perceived that we are compromising on our convictions. That if we show mercy and compassion and kindness... To people that we fundamentally disagree with. That you just would never see us in the same crowd. That sometimes we can maybe feel like we're going to be judged on that. And yet, Jesus is calling us into that kind of love. He loves us in this way. He might not like everything that we're doing. In fact, maybe a lot of what we do actually breaks his heart. And yet he continues to love us. So I I want us just to think about this practically, not necessarily hypothetically, but practically for a moment. Who is that person for you? Or who's that group of people for you? Just the polar opposite. Just people. Every time you hear them, every time you see them, rubs you up the wrong way, you get up in arms, you get defensive, maybe even aggressive, whatever it might be. You can put them in that story, this parable that Jesus is telling. And he says, they are your neighbor. Go and do likewise. Can you see why Jesus starts with loving God first? If this is about our human will and about about us just trying to do this, we're going to probably feel. (laughs) I, I don't say that this is like really easy. There are some difficult people in our lives. There are people that have really hurt us. We need something miraculous. We need the power of God at work in us to be able to love in this way. Okay, let's jump back into to Jesus' story here. The Samaritan, he came back to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you have. So Jesus calls us to pray for our enemies, but he also calls us to look after them, practically, if that need arises. Often that, I mean, sometimes it's not even helpful to think of enemies because we don't really use that word a lot. But again, just thinking of those people that you you just don't get along with. And uh many of you know that we lived in northern Virginia for 7 years before we came to the ridge and uh 4 years of that time we we lived next to a lady who uh was uh, lived alone quite a lot her hu- she was married but her husband traveled a lot for work she had some health challenges that meant that she was in pain quite a lot and uh, had it uh, find it difficult to to walk and things and so our Houses and our driveways were like parallel, pretty much like this. And so sometimes we would be outside with the kids playing, you know. And she would come out with her little West Highland white terrier that would sometimes try and go for the kids, like bite them. And um, it also actually went for a really favorite soccer ball of mine once and put teeth marks in it. And I can tell you, like, the love of Jesus, I just had, yeah, I could practice that at that time. Um, And the kids, of course. I cared about the kids, too. Um, But, so we, um, here's the thing. Stepping in practically, whether it was, you know, um, shoveling snow, bringing trash cans in, or just engaging in conversation with her, when it maybe would have been easier just to avoid her, meant that there was space there. She started to open up about her past and her present experience. She knew that I worked for a church, and so she started to uh, lean into some of that conversation as well. You see, who we help practically shouldn't be limited by who's in our social circle, who shares our theological or political convictions, who we naturally get along with. Our time and our talents and our energy and our finance should be available to meet needs when we see them, wherever and in whomever we find them. So loving our neighbors, it it begins with loving God and it manifests itself in not holding prejudice against people, in meeting practical needs. But I want to land just thinking about Really, our core need as human beings, the Bible says that we don't live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so in thinking about spiritual need, what does it mean to love our neighbor, love one another when it comes to spiritual need? The Apostle Paul in Second Corinthians he says this Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And this this is really important here. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We, therefore, are Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. He's committed to us the message of reconciliation, and we, therefore, are Christ's ambassadors. So this is Dame Karen Pierce. Uh, You maybe don't know her. I certainly didn't know her until recently. She's the first woman to hold the office of the British ambassador to the United States. And part of her role is to essentially... Uh, represent the cultures and values of the United Kingdom and of King Charles III. Uh, everywhere she goes, she is a walking embassy, essentially, like a window into the values and culture of the United Kingdom. And uh, I thought this would just be helpful for us as we're thinking about what it means to be an ambassador for Jesus, to use Paul's terminology here. We, too, are part of a kingdom as followers of Jesus. We too serve under a king. And we too are called to be ambassadors, going out into our workplaces, our schools, classrooms, whatever whatever it might be, gyms, coffee shops. Because I think sometimes... When it comes to spiritual need, I feel like it's, it's easy for us to think, well, it's kind of up to Pastor Mike, really. I mean, ultimately, and then maybe like the staff here at the church. But this isn't what we read here. Paul says he has committed to us the reconcil- message of reconciliation. We, therefore, are Christ's ambassadors. And again, just coming back to Jesus' first commandment, when we love God in that way, when we experience the love of God and our lives begin to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus, that's what we take into our workplaces. It's not people just trying to be better people. Our own will and our own determination is only going to take us so far, but what people need to see is the work of God in each of us. The reality of God in us. And that is what we carry. Imagine the reach of the ridge. You see, it's when it's just one person, when it's just a staff, it's limited. But when it's the whole church, placed for a purpose, that's God's plan to change the world. And so to tie this back into loving your neighbor, I think it's probably one of the best ways that we can love our neighbor. To be part of God's plan to see them come to Jesus. And we get to be part of that ministry of reconciliation. So I want to close just by giving just practical steps. I think it's always really helpful. Um, Number one, we have... Uh, an amazing director of outreach here at the church, Mary Kohlsdorf. And a lot of her job is to facilitate opportunities for, for us as a church to uh, really meet practical needs, both here locally and internationally. So uh, many people in the church have got involved in this ministry. And it's not only life changing for those that we encounter, it's life changing for us too. So I encourage you go to ridgelife.org, click on serve and get involved in that way. The next practical step, I would say, is remember that phrase, placed for a purpose. I am placed for a purpose where I am. I know for some of you that you feel like you're in interim jobs right now. Eh? For some of you, you're desperate just to get through this semester, or this module in college. But God has purpose for you where you are in this season in your life. So maybe take this opportunity this morning to offer yourself again to him, to be used by him. And then lastly, uh, this Wednesday, we start a new series uh, on our Ridge University podcast. We launched this earlier this year. If you haven't seen it, be sure to check it out. There's a link on our website uh, you can get to, or just search in your podcast provider. But we're starting a series this Wednesday. We're going to go in-depth in terms of what neighboring well looks like, what it means to be a good neighbor like Jesus has called us. And I've had 25 minutes here to talk about it, but we got three episodes of content where we're going to dig deeper into this. You know, what does it mean to share our faith, actually, in our workplaces? It's those kind of things. So um, thanks for joining us today and listening to our weekly podcast. My name is Will Heron. I'm the director of discipleship here at The Ridge. If you would like to dig a little deeper into what we've been talking about today, uh, be sure to check out Beyond the Sermon. This is a weekly devotional that goes out after second service on Sunday. There you'll find the scripture that we've been looking at, some questions for you to, to dive into, but then there's also a discussion uh, that I have with whoever is teaching that Sunday, and we just dive deeper into different themes and topics from the sermon. If you've enjoyed our podcast, feel free to share it with your friends, and also,